Hello, and welcome to the show. This is the Goodwin Podcast, and I'm Nico Lapalusa, your host. And you might hear it. You might hear in my voice, I'm a new man. And I'm not saying that even facetiously. I do feel a bit different. Um, I just got back from Miami, Florida. And spent some time down there with purpose, but also just to relax and to and to see it. I'd never been to Miami before. And if you haven't been to Miami, let me share some things with you. First off, I pretty much fell in love with the place. The kind of love... I fell in lust with the place, right? I, I, it's just so attractive there. So many things about it are so attractive. The beach itself is one of the best beaches I've been to. Now I've been to some beaches. I've been to Australia. I've been to Thailand. I've been through South America, through the coastal cities of South America, some of them. Hawaii, California, and the beach in Miami is just so nice. They've done such a good job at creating, so the closest, if you go to South Beach, the closest street is called Ocean Avenue, of course, or every, of course, but what should we name this road? You know, what what would really encapsulate what we want? No, this joke's going nowhere. I'm not feeling that, that humorous. I'm feeling really grounded and actually kind of full of love. Uh, And I do want to get to that, that too. But Miami, the beaches, they're big, they're expansive. The, The sand is so good too. Like there is different kinds of sand and the sand in Miami is just it feels good, it looks good, and as it goes into the water, it slowly descends into the water, which is huge. There's no like big drop-offs or no uh, rocks, it's just nice entry all up the coast of Miami Beach, or at least South Beach, the one mile that I walked up and down. And the water was really nice. I I don't know, such a small sample size, right? So I went there and the water wasn't extremely rambunctious like it like it gets in Australia sometimes. Like it was very swimmable. In Australia one time, Newcastle, the waves are so crazy. They're just so crazy. And this was back when I hadn't been humbled by the ocean yet. If you haven't been humbled by the ocean, you may never be. But if you're a young man, you know, looking for adventure, and you you see you see some six foot waves, you're like, ah, oh, you know, it's water. You know, it's water. It's no big deal. I'm a solid, strong man. And I went in. No one else was in the water in Newcastle. But there were some people like 
standing where the water would crash onto the shore and then it would run up onto their onto their feet you know maybe there's some people in I, there had to be because the story goes there <laughs> but i decided to go in and i didn't know about ducking under a wave right i thought you i've only known waves at the wave pool in noah's ark and wisconsin dells that was my extent of wave knowledge i didn't know real ocean waves at the time so I go in and I get wrecked, wrecked. I get pushed down underwater. I come up, wrecked again. So I'm swallowing water at this point and just humbled so quick by the, by the beaches in, in Newcastle, Australia. And the the cherry on top of this so after i almost die i get dragged under dragged under dragged under i finally get up and I'm like okay i'm not doing that again i start to walk out of the ocean or, or scurry out of the ocean and i stand up and another wave comes and i like turn my back and instead of dropping down i kind of like jump for whatever reason i still didn't didn't fully understand. I get thrown into a front flip and headbutt a small child hard. Imagine a front flip to a headbutt. You don't see that in action movies. Maybe that'll be coming. A front flip to a headbutt into a child's back the child didn't even start cry- it was the kind of pain the child didn't even start crying the child just started crawling out you know just started crawling out of you know from where he was army crawling away like instinct kicked in he knew it was fight or flight and uh yeah i i headbutted the shit out of a small child because of the ocean threw me catapulted me a grown man at the time probably weighed 200 pounds and the ocean's no joke. But in Miami, I didn't have to deal with that. It was cool. It was collect. I could relax. I could float on my back. Expansive. The beach was so big. The sand was so nice. And, you know, you're in America, so things, you know, things work. You know, things look nice. There's not that much litter. Um, Miami does a good job of, like, creating this infrastructure on the beach yo miami has a public gym on the beach that's better than the gym i pay to go to in wisconsin they have two shipping containers full of bumper plates full of different bars and barbells and kettlebells they have squat racks they have these huge jungle gym apparatuses built onto the beach it is the coolest gym i've seen and it's free and it's open air on the like on the beach. It's just so good. So there's a lot to like become infatuated with, and that's not even talking about the beautiful women and beautiful men. Oh my gosh, you just walk around and you see just like Instagram models, pretty much. Every fifth person's an Instagram model. That's an exaggeration, but you know you see one or two people that just you're like, am I gonna? give up everything and go for it. 
And uh, I didn't. I didn't give up everything and go for it. But it was nice to see. And it definitely makes you fall in love with a place to see such beauty. And like, it's just a really cool spot. Now, all these nice things being said about Miami. There's also... (laughs) I was sitting... So on Ocean Avenue, it's full of bars, right? It's full of restaurants and it's COVID time. So people, it wasn't that popping, even though it was, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was there and my apartment unit was above the drag bar. So just loud lip syncing of like Lady Gaga and, and Bruno Mars, like until the late hours of the, of the night. It was actually the most popular bar too, I guess. So my point is, and I don't know if this is just everywhere now, but the music is basically it's like if you get into a cab in Mexico and then you put that to an electronic beat and you add some really shitty lyrics and then it's as persistent as the waves in the ocean it's all all the time so you're in miami you're hearing i was sitting in a restaurant literally and eating food by myself because i was by myself eating food to a techno song saying lick my balls for five plus minutes mariachi band plus edm plus like trap lyrics and that's miami that's ocean ocean avenue at least so and every bar has hookah so you're just walking on ocean avenue and you're smelling hookah you're hearing like dangerous music <laughs> in the sense of like it's just dangerous for your psyche. It's just dangerous for my psyche. You know, and every bar has a different shitty like techno song playing from 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. Hookah in the air and uh and the weed was so loud. I think weed's still illegal in Florida. I'm pretty sure it was. I haven't been smoking. And and this is, I don't know if this is like how I've just changed. Because I used to love the smell of weed. Really. When I was smoking particularly a lot. But even afterwards, I was like, I'd smell and be like, oh, that's pleasant. You know? Somehow that changed. But the weed was loud in a way where I'm like, oh, I'm glad I don't smoke anymore. That doesn't something about the spirit of the plant has like shifted in me um, with cannabis. And it's like, it's no longer seductive or the weed in Miami is just loud in a way that's not appealing. Maybe I should like smell a jar of some homegrown stuff that I made and see if it's, if it smells good to me. Cause whatever they're putting down in that, in that weed and it's everywhere on ocean Avenue, you're getting strong smells, strong French perfume, hookah um 
cocoa butter lotion on a drag queen singing Bruno Mars. Um, uh, melted cheese and loud ass weed. And then like little, little pockets of like strawberry daiquiri, like fake fruit smells. And that's Ocean Avenue. And there's people outside of all these restaurants and they're dancing, like aggressively dancing. And I think it's to try to get people to come to the restaurant, but it had a very opposite effect to me. I was quite intimidated. I love dancing. I love dancing. And I would see these people dancing and like want to encourage them. Definitely not want to seem like I was judging them, even though like encouragement is kind of like a positive judgment. But I wanted them to feel encouraged, like, oh, this is fun. You're having fun, you know. But I didn't want to approach them. I didn't want to, like, go up to the menu that they were dancing in front of and, like, and check it out. I was just somehow intimidated by that. <laughs> Miami's like, it's Miami's so seductive. Will Smith was right in a lot of ways. And the you know the cars. There's a certain amount of fashion there. I only brought one pair of shoes. That was a mistake. I bought one pair of like tennis shoes that have been beat beat to shit for like a decade. And I had like a pair of nice pants. I'm just walking around the town, you know, just seeing what it's all about. Never being being there, wanting not wanting to be in my room. So I'm walking about town, and I have a nice pair of pants on. I have a nice shirt on, ish, you know. And then I have these tennis shoes on and this drunk guy came up to me and he's like, cool salmon pants. Didn't feel like a full compliment, but you know, I take it as one to diffuse the situation. Cause I don't know what he wants, you know, and I'm not going to just ignore him cause you know, I'm grown. I don't have to be afraid of this guy. Um, I'm like, Oh me. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. He's like, yeah, I got salmon shorts. I just nod my head and look at him. Mm -hmm. I start walking away. Hey, thanks, man. Have a good night. And he's like, but my shoes were cooler. And I was like, oh, I know. My shoes are super lame right now. And people look at shoes, you know. I've gone to Puerto Rico. I don't know if it's a Latin thing. I have such I have such, I have something going on on my inside. I don't know what happened or how I programmed myself or you know if it's if it's wrong whatever. I talked about this before in in the podcast, but I love Latin culture. I'm kind of infatuated with it on the cusp of like fetishization of it. Like I'm just really attracted to Latin culture. Like I I lived in South America for a while. I'm always trying to to go. I I try to I speak Spanish and I'm, I try to keep practicing and, and refining that skill. And they don't want anything to do with me. Most like Latin culture doesn't want anything to do with me. And that's might be why I like it. It's cause like, I, there's what I love about like Latin men is even if it's not like an authentic confidence, there's just an outside confidence where it's like they don't need anyone. And there's like, yeah, just like a bravado. 
that comes that comes off and it's like and there is a kindness and people are all different and this is a huge generalization but there there does seem to be a theme where it's like they can give two fucks about me and i almost like that in a way there's not a lot of fronting that i've noticed where like latin men don't feel the need to be nice for the sake of being nice like putting on a face there's less of that in fact there's this kind of backs up my point i had the worst uber experience of my life and we'll kind of get into this so there's a, there's so latin culture i love it and they don't give a shit about me and maybe that's why i love it more um but yeah jamma me you know call me call me uh latin culture i'm here for you some of the music some of the music not that techno fucking i don't know why i'm drawing a blank but like reggaeton i got like 10 minutes of reggaeton in me before i i just i have to tone it out because like i'll get in a taxi cab and it'll be like reggaeton for a 45 minute drive and um yeah it doesn't it doesn't get me there and i love music but yeah some i like spanish guitar you know proper proper music so anyway i'm in i'm in miami i go to miami for a purpose i go to sit a a ceremony you know there's a church down there it's a legal church and um I go down there to sit and, you know, do a ceremony. And I invited a friend down there. I invited a couple guys down there and just put it out there to see if they wanted to join. Flights were cheap. It's part of the reason I went. And and one followed through. And look, I'm only bringing this up because it's relevant to the Uber story. Because it was kind of tough goings. In, in Miami, there was times I was like, I was down there and kind of like, what am I doing? You know, why did I leave the comforts of my home? And I never really felt that. I've always just been so eager for adventure and eager to kind of get away and explore that it hasn't kind of crossed my mind. Like homesickness has been super rare. I've felt it before. But it's been super rare and it's almost like I left, as soon as I left my house, I was kind of like, I had to really overcome being away. And it didn't, it didn't really come, it didn't really follow through. It was like nice to see the ocean and, and like I said, there's beautiful parts of Miami to, to look at and to experience and like it wasn't a constant state of like depression or anything, but it was just like an undertone of like, Oh, I could be home, you know, being comfortable and um and it kind of got me down that I was already like have the propensity for comfort now. It's almost like something to overcome in the name of adventure. So I invite this friend down and and he's uh he's in a wheelchair. He doesn't have use of his legs. And you know, traveling for me is one thing, traveling for him is another thing. 
And I don't realize, you know, until we really got together, I didn't, there's just a lot of little things, you know, that I take for granted, that we all take for granted, and that maybe we should take for, you know, not take for granted, but um, you don't have to think about it all the time, how good you have it compared to other people. I think that comparison game is ultimately a trap and and won't serve you or them uh, or whomever you're comparing yourself to. Um, But there is something when you, you know, hanging out with him and and seeing the little things, you know, you know, going to the bathroom, opening doors. Um, Yeah, everything, everything is affected. And we get an Uber together to go to this ceremony because we want to go together. And the driver pulls up. I text him, by the way. I text the driver. We have a wheelchair. And he gets there and Tabiso gets himself in the car and the chair is there and I'm going to take care of the chair and put it in the trunk. And I, and the guy just starts talking really aggressively only in Spanish. And I know some Spanish. I'm pretty decent at it. He was speaking like Cuban Spanish really fast and the aggression, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yo, we're paying you $40 to take us like 10 miles less, less. And my brother here has to live with, you know, has, this is not pity in any any means. It's for the sake of gratitude, but he's, he's living with, in a wheelchair. You're a professional driver in a way. It's what you do for a living. You're going to make a big deal about having to put a chair in your trunk? He had a truck. He had an SUV. And he's just saying, he's like, no, it won't fit. It won't fit. It won't fit. Meanwhile, my brother's already in the car waiting. And basically all that needed to be done was there was a partition that separated the low space from the high space in the trunk. That needed to be taken off and slid in the back. And it was a fucking thing. He's yelling at me in Spanish. I'm asking him to calm down. I'm about to go to ceremony. I'm not trying to go, I'm not trying to get in a fight with a Uber driver. And I, I just had never experienced this. Like, no empathy, no empathy. No empathy for someone's situation. The chair ended up fitting in the trunk. It slid in the trunk. It needed to be turned like 90 degrees and just put up against the trunk. And this guy is making a whole thing out of it. And this is not what I want the podcast to be be, be about at all. But it kind of set the table. It kind of relates to how Latin men don't front. And he was just so fiery. Oh, my God. Like the speed and the aggression he was talking at for something that was ultimately had a resolution. I get in the car. I'm pissed. I'm like, I've never given a bad review in Uber. I always just toss a five stars in there, especially if they don't talk to me. That's good <laughs> for at least now for me. Um, never really. And I'm like, this guy, how do I get, I'm, my mind's racing. How do I get back to this guy? He's an awful person and he's not speaking any English. He's playing, he's pretending like he doesn't speak any English. And, and my brother can tell that I'm, I'm upset. 
And I, I do, I start saying, I'm sitting right behind the guy. He's feeling my energy. I'm feeling his. I'm like, this guy is, is an asshole. I've never seen this. Like, how can he carry himself like this? He should be ashamed of himself, especially as an elder. You know, this is the kind of disrespect he gives people, especially people that are going through a hard time. Because, because of why? There was no consequence to putting the chair in the trunk. He only looked stupid for doing it. And my brother's way kinder than me. Oh, my God. I'm feeling furious. He's, and he's like, oh, man, this guy's going through a tough time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sure to give him a tip. I'm like, a tip? Like, I'm, fine. I'm trying to find a way to make sure this guy doesn't pick up and, like, doesn't do Uber anymore. He's, he hurt me. This, this, this is, it just, like, my mind wasn't right. I was angry. And I'm literally sitting behind him, like, kind of letting my anger bubble up. I'm like, I know you can feel this. I do not like you. And I want you to feel this pain. I want you to feel, because I'm feeling anger. And I want, it to, I want you to feel the heat of that. And I even thought, I didn't do this, but I even thought of, like, putting my knee into his, <laughs> into his chair. Like, the things we think about when we're uh, upset. It's, it's, it's silly. But me and him end up getting to the ceremonial space, this church, this church space. And it's kind of, it's on this piece of land. I won't give too much detail, but there's like these old, old oak trees. It's like Florida oak trees, which I, they, they look different. They have like more twists and turns like the oak trees I'm looking at right now in, in Wisconsin. Now there's a straightness to them. I mean, they go in a bunch of ways, but I don't know. They're different. They're different, but they had these old oaks and they still had their, you know, their leaves that they might not lose their leaves. And the canopy was just beautiful. And, but I'm, but there's still something off with me. I'm still like, I think I might bail because these ceremonies, if you go back to the teepee episode where I talk about these ceremonies, you know, it's, it's 15, 20 hours of sitting. You're staying up all night. You're missing your sleep. And, and you're sitting up and you're, and you're praying, no back support, huh? No back support, sitting on the ground, uh, praying for, this ended up being like a 16 hour, hour ceremony. And, you know, maybe I was nervous about that. My previous ones, I, it was very challenging, some parts of it. And, you know, being outside and exposing the elements and being away from home, you know, it wasn't the nature I was used to, even though it was beautiful. There was beautiful like plants and those oak trees were there. It was different. You know, I wasn't sitting in the forests that I knew. And I was questioning a lot before, before this, before the ceremony and, and really nervous and really considering bailing many times. Needless to say, I didn't, I didn't bail. And, um, yeah, not too many details maybe of the ceremony, but maybe just what comes through. It's, uh, we ended up sitting, you know, we sit in a circle. I was on the, the South East side of the circle and the circle is set up in a particular way. Like the altar is, uh, on the West side, the door entry door is on the East side. Um, it's true East, true West, etc. And 
um, you know, there's a there's some tobacco prayers. So we pray using tobacco. We pray using cedar. We pray over water two times throughout the night, specifically for water. Uh, there's a fire that's burning the entire time. There's there's a person or or a few people keeping tending the fire and making sure that um, it's it continues and it's burning bright and. Um, And yeah, you, we went into the we went into the ceremony. They passed around some medicine, um, and and I was surprised. I surprised myself because you know the the pain of sitting for many hours was difficult in the past, and that was something I was worried about. My back getting super tight, my legs. And, hips knees specifically feeling a type of way and need wanting reprieve from that um but i was i surprised myself in the fact that that really didn't become it was gentle in that way and i wasn't feeling the need to even move that much i was able to kind of sit up and be part of the ceremonial space for uh the entirety of it and there's a uh, so many things I, I want to like share. It's it's very difficult. I didn't feel a sense to purge or to throw up or to get well. Um, I should say I didn't have to do that. But it's interesting to me, or what I find interesting is we're all sitting in a circle. And the times that I would feel something bubbling in my stomach, I'd feel something coming to the surface. And I'd feel like a, a particular wave of discomfort. And I'd kind of like breathe into it, feel into it. And then uh, all of a sudden someone else, maybe across the circle, maybe anywhere in the circle, they would purge. They would throw up. And I would be relieved, you know. And to me, it's like, okay, did they take on my stuff? Was I feeling their stuff? Um, whose stuff is this? <laughs> and maybe that's not important. But I, I was sharing this with a friend of mine uh, who I met at, at the ceremony, and I ended up spending some time with him post. And he's like in, in a in a string of volcanoes, right? If one bursts, it relieves the pressure of the entire chain. You know, so in that way, volcanoes are, are kind of all connected. And um, one relieving pressure takes off pressure from all of them. And that's kind of how it feels, you know, you feel the pressure build up, you feel almost the lava come to the surface, and there's a bubbling and mixing and a, and maybe some sort of mental process going with it, maybe some bad thoughts or whatever it is. And then also someone relieves themselves and you feel an ease, like a pressure valve released for you. And in that way, like, we're, we're talk about how getting well, you know, we talk about throwing up and purging as getting well. And in that way, it does feel like getting well, it does feel like a pressure release. And and that's why it feels like a thank you. When someone's doing it, it's not uncomfortable for me. And it really doesn't feel uncomfortable for the whole group. It's a thank you for doing that for us and for processing whatever you needed to do to relieve yourself of that pressure or to relieve yourself of, of whatever it is, you know. You can get pretty metaphysical and say yeah, trauma or... Um, past lives or whatever it is, yeah. 
is it just feels good in that way and um and the prayers just felt really really good you know hearing people pray and speak from the heart and when you hear that it um and you're under the medicine uh, you feel the power of those words you know and that's what i want this podcast to be moving forward as much as i can i want to be speaking from the heart i want to be yeah sharing from that place so that um it's felt cuz when someone can feel you know a place of love uh, it's it's infectious love is as infectious as disease and you know i want to infect uh, myself with love and with health and um consequently let that ripple out as well so I don't think it would be too inappropriate to talk about the structure just a little bit of the ceremony, but there's basically four, five tobacco prayers, and there's two water prayers. The first water prayer is at midnight, and at this time, the men of the group get to talk and kind of get to say their blessing over the over the over the water. And uh, being kind of new to the situ- situation, but also you know, f- for the sake of being different, because you know people do pray for a long time. You'll get people talking, sharing for maybe an hour, you know? And it's kind of ironic because it's kind of what I'm doing right now. Um, Yeah, maybe this is a prayer, you know, for an hour. So I understand, you know, but also in the ceremony and being kind of a new member to the ceremony, this isn't a community that I've sat with too much. You know, I don't want to take more space than I'm sensitive about that for whatever reason. Maybe I'll I'll leave that behind at some point, but I try not to take too much. I try to be aware of when people are getting antsy or want something to move on. Um so I just did a very simple prayer. It happened the ceremony happened to fall on my grandmother's 90th birthday, 12/12/2020. So my prayer was simple. It was it was to my grandma um grandma Elaine and wishing her a happy birthday and thanking her for teaching me, you know, acceptance and unconditional love. Because I've been blessed in the grandma department where she really has been there for me so much of my life. And and anything I've brought to her, anything, any terrible thing I've, I've done or have shared with her, um, she hasn't even flinched, batted an eyelash of judgment. It's uh, She's been on my side the whole time. And just expressing this this love, and that's like, and that was pretty much it. And then we we all bless the water, and then we get to drink the water, and kind of take it in. And and throughout the night, there's also music shares. They pass around a uh, a staff and a rattle. And if you want to share a song, you can share a song. You share typically people share four songs, four little short songs. And the peyote medicine has a specific type of song. So the the music you get at the ceremony is, it's a water drum, which a drum is basically a small kettle filled with water. And there's some charcoals from the fire, the sacred fire that we're creating. They're put in with the water. And the idea is life came from when water and fire uh, came into communion. 
and from c- the communion of water and fire came life. Um, so it's kind of like symbolizes life in the drum. And then it's covered with an animal skin. Um, and then it's tied down. And and it's a drum. It's a drum that has water in it. And so every song has this water drum. And this water drum is basically 120 plus beats from it. And it goes, the drum goes for as long as the person with the rattle. So there's someone who only plays the water drum throughout the whole night. And then the rattle and the staff is passed around and someone has a rattle and and you play the rattle with the drum that 120 plus beats per minute and a lot of there's like in peyote songs it's kind of like fast it's they go and it's kind of like a galloping um rattle so and you sing songs you know and there are peyote songs and any medicine song was welcome in this because i don't i didn't know any peyote songs but i didn't want to share my voice and and share some music so the staff and rattle starts to get passed around and you know i'm i'm on the back half of the circle based on the direction that this is going and i just find myself anticipating my song what am i going to sing am i going to sing should i bail should i stay or should i go now and and then becoming aware that I'm anticipating this song. And mind you, I practiced I practiced singing. I practiced these songs maybe a hundred maybe a thousand times. So I should know them. That's practice, you know, by myself singing these songs. So I know these songs. But being on the medicine and, and anticipating therefore not really giving the person who's singing my attention, my full attention, not giving the present moment my attention, and therefore denying myself the feelings of bliss and, and love and harmony and healing because I'm anticipating, I'm in my mind, I'm in my ego. Oh, am I going to do it right? I hope I don't mess up. I hope I sing it properly. I, uh, you know, and then the doubts creep in. I'm trying to hear the words of my song while someone else is singing and all, and that's too jumbled. You know, I can't do that. And so I'm starting to doubt that I know the words to the song I'm going to sing. And I I had like eight songs prepared and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, which one am I going to do? I don't know. And I'm doing this almost the entire time and I'm coming back to presence. So I'm doing it. I'm like, and then I'm coming back to, okay, come on, be here be here for this song right now, uh, feel, feel the music, you know, be part of the medicine. And then I'm thinking again of, oh, my song, oh, what am I going to sound like? What's it going to be like? So Staff and Rattle gets to the person before me was my brother, Tabiso, and uh, he kills it. Oh my gosh, he's singing loud, unabashed, just going for it. And he's taking all the time he wants, you know. He doesn't have that, 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 I guess, shame that I have of like, okay, I don't want to take more. I want to like, um, you know, not sing too long for whatever reason. And he's going for it. And while he was singing, I'm like, 
oh, I can have fun with this. You know, this could be fun. This is a prayer, you know. And I, it gave me courage. He gave me courage in a lot of ways. And so my turn, my, my time comes and, and I start to rattle. I don't do the chicka, 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 chicka. I just do chick 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 because I haven't practiced with the rattle. I just practiced with the songs and the drum goes dun, 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 dun. And I, then I start to align my with it so it sounds a little bit harmonious and i sang a song and i was the only one to drag notes over maybe like an eight count of drums maybe a 16 count so i sang this like i sang this uh medicine song siela siela medicina and uh and every, it, it goes through each element. So it's Cielo, Cielo, Medicina. And that's how the, that's the, that's kind of like how the song goes, how it's given to me. And then the next one is Agua, Agua, Medicina. And there's a verse after this. So it's Agua, Agua, Medicina. Fuego, fuego, medicina. So what I like to do, what I did was like drag out notes um, over the dun 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 and for each element that I went through I liked to imagine it and then give it its own personality according to me and it felt really good oh my god it felt so good to share and uh, I felt like a congruence with my voice I've been working on these vocal lessons and and transitioning from low notes to high notes and and playing in between and I was able to almost surprise myself and it really became from the courage of taking the leap. Because even when the staff and rattle got to me, I had doubts. I'm like, I think I don't know the words to this song. I've sang it a thousand times. And I don't think I know them. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And with and when not sticking to the template of Cielo, Cielo, Medicina. That's the template of the song, right? A constant note with a dip. And allowing myself to do a little run in between there, give it a little personality. That took a little bit of 
courage, a little bit of leap, a little bit unknown. Is my voice going to hold up? Am I going to sustain? You know. And I was proud to share that song and and happy, and it really set me up for a beautiful night. And that's the only song I shared actually for the first round of music, and then the staff in the red all passed along, and um. <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, it's a little ego or whatever, but the first round of songs, people weren't fully under the medicine. They weren't overly tired, um, perhaps. And after almost every song, people would go, woo, or aho, or nice, you know, which doesn't happen in every circle. A lot of times people share songs and there's like a silence. But in this particular circle, people were like cheering almost after every song. And um, I felt special in a way because it's it seemed like everyone got silent after my song, which I didn't take as a bad thing because I felt like I felt it come through clean and well. And the silence I almost took as like a form of validation. Maybe that's an ego trip, but it felt okay. You know, it feels okay to share. So that was the first round of music. And it kind of empowered me to keep going through the night. And actually, I didn't get to share a second song until like morning time. And um, the leader of the circle asked us to keep our our shares a little bit short. And um, some people didn't. They didn't do that. And I did actually. I did. I did a really simple. Um, it's like a it's a buffalo prayer because if you've watched the podcast you know my um my overarching goal to help bring the the bison american buffalo population back to the great plains which will help restore the soil the land and clean the water uh, and prevent desertification um, to keep our land healthy and clean for many 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 generations to come and I was given this buffalo uh, chant, and um, I shared that just like kind of powerfully, and uh, only three rounds of it, and then I, I stopped kind of all of a sudden, and one girl is like, oh my god, he listened out loud to the group, and I was kind of like, oh, maybe I should do another song, like I don't want to be the one guy who like listens you know like the good teacher's pet kind of it felt like but I didn't I didn't sing another song and I actually talked to her about it afterwards and she was cool she's just like an outspoken like woman from New York and and whatever she was great so the ceremony was it was powerful. It's really hard to like get into the, the minutia and like the details of, you know, the sensation of that particular medicine and just the power of music and the musical shares and the water drum with the rattle. And you think it would drive you crazy and it probably does for some people, you know, cause that's the only real music. You don't get guitar. You don't get anything else besides a, a rattle and a, drum and then voices which are dynamic but um yeah it's very empowering 
particularly with that kind of medicine and and uh yeah hearing people's prayers and sharing my voice in the circle and i really learned a lot about authentic expression i think there's a so there was like a, a kind of a a purpose to this ceremony although it's hard to make it say it was my purpose so we were celebrating a four-year-old's birthday for the number four is significant in this tradition and it was his birthday and we're kind of just setting him up for a good life praying for him for for a good life and his mother blessed the water the second time and she shared just such a beautiful like she shared her story she had one of the things she said which ended up bringing tears to my eyes and I hadn't released, I hadn't purged or cried or even sweat or shake this whole ceremony. I usually have some sort of purge or getting well. And this was like, I shed like a single tear and she was sharing her story about she had chronic pain. She had gotten been assaulted actually. And um, it led her to chronic pain. And she talked about how she had a shift in her mindset, how the chronic pain she began to understand it as a chronic responsibility to give her body and give her life love and reverence. She had now the chronic responsibility to show up for herself in a loving way and to thank for her and, and to give praise for her, her body and what she has. And that did it for me, you know, single tear down the face, just deep in meditation and feeling my body and so thankful to hear people speak from their heart and share such beautiful prayers. And for the remainder of the water prayer at that time, that was the women's turn to, to pray in the morning. And, and there was a few women who just shared such authentic things and the men did too. But I just remember this one woman sharing a gratitude for a particular person's prayer throughout the night, how they shared it. And for some reason it clicks like, oh, that's how you say thank you. It's so simple. Like I've been saying thank you like my whole life and you have been too. And, and it wasn't anything new or groundbreaking. It was just like how she delivered the thank you without... Uh, there's just authenticity to it. The clarity in her voice and the clarity in her eyes is like, oh, that's how you say thank you. Okay. I'm going to take that one with me. That's good. And there's a bunch of those moments, a bunch of those little blessed moments. Um, And then in the morning, the ceremony did kind of drag on. People were getting very tired and very ornery and kind of leaving the circle. And the ceremony doesn't move forward until everyone's in the circle in their seats. So, you know, we're supposed to end at 9 a.m. And we didn't end until 1 p.m. So imagine, you know, having any impatience in that, in that time. It's not going to serve you. Eh. And I was feeling it a little bit in the morning, like there's a time of like gift giving for the special group that we were celebrating and like, and the gift giving is just like, uh. 
And then when those 45 minute prayers that people go into, when it's like the 10th 45 minute prayer you heard, you're like, okay, how many times are you going to thank people, you know, the same people, but you know, it's you thanking them. And up to that point, it's just been other people thanking them. And I'm, I'm, I have a lot more compassion for people's expression now and, and I have a lot more patience and actually the leader of the, uh, of the ceremony, the, the space holder. She's like, she's like, my grandma said, never pray for patience. Never, ever, ever, ever pray for patience because you'll get everything, but you'll get everything that'll cause, make you the most impatient so that you learn that way. So you never pray for patience. <laughs> and I wasn't praying for patience. I was, I was feeling kind of at peace and at ease and and the ceremony came and, and it came and went and at the end of the ceremony I didn't really know where I was going to go you know I didn't have a place to go and um I did feel this was in hindsight I was kind of like asking and seeking like hey can I maybe stay with you I know we just met <laughs> and uh and you know I would you know gently ask people like what's your situation? Would you mind hosting? No. Okay. That's fine. I understand. But being in the position of like kind of wanting a place to stay, not wanting to really buy a hotel at that point or an Airbnb. And, um, I, it was kind of like a weird taste after the ceremony, after like feeling love and, and gratitude and Thanksgiving for these prayers and my own, my own prayers, kind of that seeking vibe, right? Which, maybe is a, you know, it ended up being a good lesson, but just like <sighs> looking for help, I guess it felt like too, but also no one not entitled to anyone's help or generosity and being a little frustrated with that. So I end up getting a hotel kind of nearby. And I was even thinking at that point, I'm like, I just had this like great night and I kind of have this sour taste. I'm, I might just move my flight up till tomorrow and just just bounce. And I woke up the next morning after sleeping for the first time in the in the two days, and I feeling much better, feeling much lighter. And a guy from the ceremony that I met mentioned that he lived in Deerfield Beach. Two guys did, and I ended up just taking another leap and renting this beautiful, beautiful Airbnb. It was like a dream house. Like when I picture my dream house, like a beach house, it's like this. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's clean. It's well made. There was even like an old, like a retro, like Ford Bronco convertible in with like a really cool candy, like green paint, with like like big tires. It's like in the driveway. And it's like, this is such a cool house. It was, is a block away from the beach. And again, a really beautiful beach up in Deerfield Beach really nice water. And I'm like, Oh, this is such a dream. This is like manifestation come true. And I get there and, um, and I swim and I spend some time with this guy. We watch, we talk for a good, good portion. We get some food. We watch a little Monday night football. I have another great night of sleep. And all of a sudden I wake up, I've been waking up at like 6am since the ceremony. And I woke up at like 6am and I'm like, ah, oh. I found my way to the beach 
you know, even though I was sleepy. And my bro- another brother from the ceremony was already there. We hadn't talked yet. And he was there meditating. And I sit down next to him and like, oh, shit. And we, I had the best meditations on the beach um, the mornings after. The kind of medica- meditations that like my heart swell- swelled up. Like I could feel my heart swelling in a good way. And forgiveness just was like coming through, not forced. Oh, this is a big thing I kind of learned. It's just sometimes when I get fall in love, I fall in this this place of like divinity or or oxytocin or serotonin, if you want to keep it that way. I'll realize I'm happy and I'll realize like, oh my God, I can feel prayers right now. This is a good time to pray. And so my mind will do this little trick and be like, oh, well, make sure you pray about this. Make sure you pray about this. Make sure like it'll create urgency when there's no need for urgency. So I'll, I'll slip into this divine place of like this understanding and this love. And then all of a sudden it'll be coupled with, wait, what's everything I got to pray for again? What's everything I'm trying to desire or who do I all have to forgive? I've got to make sure I think about them and, and, and give them love and give them forgiveness. And I'll just have to like stop myself like, man, let the forgiveness flow like honey, you know, slow. It doesn't always have to rush through like water. Let it flow. And sometimes it does move like that. Sometimes it moves over my body and over my mind and over my heart like honey like slow and steady and like kind of thick and juicy and that is you know that's just something that came up in meditation i'm just like people are coming to mind and i'm sending them love like effortlessly pretty happy with my circumstance feeling the sun feeling the beach at at sunrise on the east coast and just such good i felt like i could sit for forever you know and i feel like i did in some ways and so really like the best part of these ceremonies were were like the days after the morning meditations after like on the beach and like i said i see my my bro on there on the beach and like we connect we end up having like a great day together he like makes me some green juice we share some music we share a bike ride <laughs> and um man it's just a good day i've kind of fell in love with deerfield beach there's a a, a sand volleyball community that one of the guys um he's in and he brought me and introduced me to some people and i even got to play with like these pros like these pro volleyball players and and you know I, I'd have a I don't practice volleyball daily so I'd have a few and I, but I'm mildly athletic so I do some good things and I do lots of bad things and in terms of not passing accurately and um, you know being out of position for two on two volleyball you're being out of position you're playing against someone who knows what they're doing they'll do cut shots and you know score points at will. So I, uh, you know, lose a bunch of times, but I'm still playing like one of the best sports ever with people that are high, high caliber players. 
It was just so cool. I fell totally in love with Deerfield Beach. I'm like trying to manifest the property there or try like maybe doing the van thing and, and going down there as like one of my first destinations for a long-term destination, playing volleyball and living life. So that's kind of like a, yeah, Deerfield Beach is also has some of the craziest mansions I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. There's some of these houses are just epic. And they're like, there's like roads of these mansions with these old trees. And then there's like ro- like these beach cottages as well. It's like a nice mix. And, and people were saying hi. Like in Florida, just generally, people were saying hi. People were nice. I just really enjoy. I ended up really enjoying it, and I met some really great people, and really thankful for this time I got to spend in Florida, and got to spend with the medicine and with that community. And I really, and I'm going to go back to them and and sit with them, and pray with them, and and learn and do all the all the things that are good. <sighs> so that's my Florida trip, and that's where I'm at now. Today's the day after. Bueno, I think this is a good place to end it. I hope I spoke loud enough throughout this. I realize I've kind of been fading in and out, but nevertheless, thank you so much for being here and spending time with me. I hope by opening up and sharing a little bit of the love I've felt, uh, you, you get to, it's contagious. And you get to feel a little bit, share a little bit in your own life. And, um, appreciate you so much yeah feel free to reach out if you have any questions or just want to talk or you want someone to hear you uh, i'm willing to do that so in a good way you know not um no pressure of course but thank you thank you thank you this has been the good wind <laughs>